2: What's good, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the He vs the World podcast. As always, I'm your host Joel Jacob, and with me, I got Orchard and Kevin, and we got a great episode of He vs the World for y'all. Welcome back, yo! The Miami Heat are in the finals, man, and I've waited so long to drop a pod just to say this. I mean, it feels like what a month ago when we did our Game Three pod and talked about being up three games to nothing, but we're finally here. There was a lot of scares in between. Like, we lost game four, but, you know, I wasn't trying to stress too much. It would have been nice to sweep them, but oh well. We then lost game five. It's 3-2, but, you know, we still got that one-game lead. Game six happens, and I'm not going to lie. I was a little stressed out with the way how that game ended because you got Derek White hitting that game winner, and all of a sudden we're going back to Boston for a do-or-die game seven. But game seven comes, and you know what? Spo was saying it, um, you know, in the press conference. I don't know if y'all saw that press conference he did after game six, but yo, Spo looked ready, man. Like, I'm looking at his face, he looking emotional as hell. Like, that dude was ready to play game seven, and I honestly believed it. You know, it's because I know a lot of people will say, Oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, but when I saw the look on Spo's face as he mentioned that they were gonna go into Boston and finish this off. Like, I honestly believed it because that man was serious as hell when he said it and everything. So they want, they go into Boston, they handle business, they blow them out, he beat them by, like, 19. And, you know, also a big shout-out to Jimmy Butler because we talked about what Spo said and, you know, there's the whole quote from Jimmy Butler. You know, in case y'all didn't know, the Heat beating Boston last night was on the one-year anniversary of us losing Game 7 to them last year and... Jimmy literally said when we lost to them that we were going to be in the same situation come next season, but this time we were going to finish it off. And we, he, he, I mean, wh- where did he lie? Like he literally went and did just that. So overall, I'm just so happy, man. We went and we got it all taken care of. Uh Jimmy Butler was the Eastern conference finals MVP and, you know, some people will say the, the award belonged to Caleb Martin instead. And Caleb Martin played amazing. Major shout-outs to him. Um, I don't think the Heat would be in the situation they are right now if he didn't bowl out the way how he did. Um, but I'm glad Jimmy got it, too, because I've been, ever since the NBA announced the um, introduction of this Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy, I always wanted to see Jimmy hold it until we could win that championship. So, I'm glad Jimmy was able to get that award. But all of that aside, I know y'all got stuff you want to say, too, about seeing the Heat go into their well. I feel like we, we we suffering from success right now because I low-key forgot how much finals we've been to. This is like our what? Um, What, well, our seventh now? I, don't <laughs> I think this is our seventh, I believe, correct? Am I right or am I wrong? You know, I think I'm right. I'm right. Yes, I'm going to say that I'm right. But with that all being said, I just want to know how y'all feeling right now? We'll start off with you, Orchard.
0: Let me just say that the gap between Game 6 and Game 7, <laughs>
2: I, I Derek White left me
0: like feeling I was going to have lifelong trauma. But thankfully, the Heat got the, got the deal done. Um, but I, I'm just really happy that we were in the right mentality going into Game 7. Obviously, so many people would have like many players would have been down, uh, especially the way with how he went out in game six, but the only thing that like the big thing that gave me confidence about game seven was just seeing all the players and like you were saying coach spo like they kept their composure and they they were very professional about their reaction to losing game six, and just the way they behaved really gave me confidence about how this team's going to respond to the adversity <clears throat> and I mean they, they dominated the whole game. Obviously, you know, they started off the game a bit slow, but so did Boston. And the heat did they just got they got into the rhythm and they just could not miss, you know. Um, Jimmy obviously backed up his word. He he's has he's had his struggles for the past few games, and not many guys can just magically turn it around. I mean, this guy just he, he was launched, he made like three threes if I'm not wrong. And for a guy that was been struggling so bad that it did, it wasn't looking good for today or excuse me yesterday it was incredible I mean obviously like his pump fakes Boston wasn't falling for it and he just looked more assertive in the in game seven and that ultimately led to huge success for us and obviously Caleb Martin this guy is absolutely amazing he's been the most consistent player for us in the Eastern Conference Finals and I just I you know obviously we can talk about him being undrafted but I think the big thing for me was that we didn't play him last year in Game 7. So the fact that we didn't play him last year in Game 7 and we did this year and he had that much of an impact, it's really special to me. I mean, that that's, that is amazing. And I just want to shout out the Heat for their threes because I, I read that they, this is the most three the team's ever made in an Eastern Conference Finals run. So shout out to that. Um, obviously, for the Celtics side, we did a great job forcing turnovers on Jalen Brown. It was obviously a struggle he's had last year in the finals and even against the Heat. So the fact that they exposed his, his issues with handling the ball was a key to our success. Um, every time Boston went on a run, we just responded right back. And a lot of that was Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler knocking down big-time threes. And lastly, for me, I'm just glad we beat the Scott, Scott Foster allegations, bro.
2: Man, I just got to say, screw Scott Foster, you know. I think we're not... Like we're now two and zero against. Um, I think we're two and zero in elimination games that feature Scott Foster, and that's important to acknowledge because it seems like every time they try to extend the series against the Heat, we find. Well, you know what? They couldn't even extend the series because it was already a game seven. But anytime they try to disadvantage the Heat with the refs, we still find a way to prevail. It was like that last night, and it was like that in Game Six against the Knicks when they tried to get New York to force the game seven, but it didn't happen because we went and did our thing in that game as well. Uh, Kevin, how about you, though?
3: Man, um, this was a sight to behold, man. I enjoyed every single minute of it, um, like Orchard kind of touched on. You know, offensively, we started off kind of slow, but defensively, I thought we was locked in from that first minute all the way down to the 48th minute. Um, I love the mentality of this team. Um, as Heat fans, I think we're we are very, very spoiled. Like, let's just keep it a beam, man. Again, going back to what Orchard said, after that game six, I'd probably say ninety-five percent of NBA teams are folding. And they're not bouncing back the way that this Heat team did. And that's a credit to Pat Riley, that's a credit to Spo, that's a credit to Jimmy, that's a credit to everybody, all the way down to Nikola Yovich, right? And They responded like a championship team does. And that's what you expect from – at this point, this this team, if you expect anything less than – I don't know where you've been at, what cave you've been hiding under, what rock you've been hiding out under, but this team is just built differently, man. This team is wired differently. Nothing phases them. They never get too high or too low. We've seen them conquer multiple double-digit leads throughout the course of these playoffs. Like They're just that. And, man, when it comes to Caleb Martin, like I don't even know what to say. It was so crazy just watching him bring up the ball – literally not even pass the ball and just go isolation multiple times yesterday against a, a pretty good defensive team, right? In a game seven situation. Like if I if someone were to tell me that last year, I'd be like, you a goddamn lie. You know what I'm saying? that Like that just sounds crazy to say, but the way that he's been playing, man, like 26 points and he was cooking. They had no answers for him. He was getting to his spots at will, you know, off the dribble, off the catch, you know, getting to the rack. Whatever you know, what I'm saying, like this dude, man, in transition, he just got to it, and I love that for him. I love the moment for him. I'm not really gonna sit here and debate the Eastern Conference Finals MVP or whatever because I don't think either one of them dudes really care because they more, more importantly, they want to hoist that Larry O'Brien trophy more than anything. Um, so I don't really care about that, but all in all, like Jimmy came out and did what he was supposed to do. I, I knew I kept saying it like the only reason that he was having any problems was because. He kept pump faking so much. And they said on the broadcast too, but every time he attacked from the right wing or the right corner, he would dribble to his left and he would try and spin back and get to that left shoulder, right? But Derek White was sitting on that. You got to give him credit. But when Jimmy just learned, bro, just go straight up. If they're not going to play you honestly, just go straight up and make them pay. Then they got to change that coverage on you. And he made them pay in a variety of ways yesterday. Bam, I want to give him a lot of credit. I've seen a lot of people trying to just talk down on him just because he wasn't scoring. And I want people to understand that just because you're not, you're not having a good shooting night doesn't mean that you're having a bad overall game. And Bam, what he was doing defensively, what he's been doing defensively, rebounding the ball, locking up all their guards, all their bigs is special. Like we we honestly take it for granted. Yeah, he he should score a little bit more, and I, we gonna need him to score, especially in this next series. But he does his job every single night, whether people want to admit it or not. And you got to give him a lot of credit for that, Duncan Robinson, man. <laughs> same thing it's been so funny just watching him barely even play this year coming off the bench and just being ready for the moment that's what true pros do you know max Struce hit a couple timely shots for us kyle lowry made some plays yeah he had some turnovers this series but in his game seven especially he had a couple big time plays and it's an overall great team effort man i love everything about this team we should not take this run for granted we made it this far we're gonna keep going even further and it's been special to watch it man shout out to coach spo And, man, I'll end it all by saying beating Boston on their home floor, especially the way that they did us last year by beating us on our home floor, revenge has never tasted any sweeter.
2: I 100% agree. It felt – so therapeutic watching the heat do what they did and you know another thing that i just want to acknowledge you know from something you mentioned earlier with the whole jimmy butler caleb martin thing you know and we said it like both of those guys are worthy for that award but you know and kevin you mentioned it like the only thing they're worried about is holding that larry O'Brien trophy and a huge example of that was i don't know if y'all saw the clip but One thing that's all over Twitter is um, Baum holding the Eastern Conference Championship trophy. And then he looks at Jimmy and asks him if he wants to hold it. And Jimmy says to him, I I don't know the exact quote, but he basically tells him, Nah, I'm going to just wait. I'm going to hold the next trophy we get. You know, like he's only got his mind open on one trophy and one trophy only. And that's that Larry O'Brien trophy. And that's just something you love to see. And I just can't wait to see how. We how Jimmy plays come this finals because we know he's been ready to get his revenge ever since what happened in the bubble against the Lakers, you know. We know the disadvantages he faced, and now he gets the opportunity, that second chance to go and get that championship ring. Okay, how about you, though?
1: I mean, yeah, bro. You, you know, I've been extremely – um Real, although optimistic about the Miami Heat's chances throughout the playoff run, um, it's great to see him play to that potential um, and for things to work right more often than they don't. Because that's always been my thing. These things have always been present. The shooting, the defense, the tenacity, the effort. They've always been present. But it's been oftentimes where we haven't seen them come together at once or perform at an optimal level where the Miami Heat have seen success on the floor. And it's just such a wonderful thing to see all of those things come together or to see those things operate so fluidly or at such a high level on the grandest stage when it matters the most. Um, And to everything that's been said, whether it's the, you know, the revenge factor, quote-unquote, the payback from last year, Jimmy's premonitions coming true. Um, Seeing Jimmy Butler catapult himself to another level of conversation, which is something you have to do. After seeing him play the way he has throughout this run thus far, seeing Caleb Martin shine, seeing Duncan Robinson come back into the mindsets of basketball fans everywhere with a new and, excuse me, with a new and expanded game that, you know, you had saw if you just watched him in any of his, you know, slight minutes through garbage time or whatever, or in any of his opportunities throughout injury, which is another thing this Miami Heat team has faced. Whether that be Tyler Hero, shout out to Victor Oladipo. I mean, just watching everything this Miami Heat team has had to endure, all they've been able to accomplish on top of that, and in spite of all of the 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 negativity, the the <clears throat> the the things that could have gone wrong—from you know perceived officiating biases to you know inward scuffling to not having you know a true what's the word a true full-on support at times and not that that matters to them in that building, which they always tell us and which every athlete tells you, but to know this team and the history and the culture and to watch them do what they've been able to do across the course of the last month or so has just been flat out special, man. Um, and I mean, I really can't add anything to what, you know, to the basketball of it because you guys have pretty much said everything that's important, um, before we dig deeper into the conversation, but just from a personal standpoint, of seeing a lot of ball, um, talking ball, with y'all specifically this team and watching it all unfold in front of our very eyes. That's just all I can say. Right. And you know, this whole series
2: has been fun. I mean, well, and I said this at the beginning, as I was giving the intro, like there's there, there was definitely stress. Like I was looking into this and I know, um, Okay, you could testify because you know I was texting. I, I I know you've seen some of my texts throughout this series. You know, low key losing my mind seeing how some of these games was going. But man, like this Heat team, they just don't fold, and that's something that I just love about it. Because Kevin, you mentioned this earlier. Like this, if. Any other team was in the Heat situation. They're not bouncing back from game six. They're not bouncing back from even losing three straight like that and winning game seven in a blowout fashion the way how the Heat did it. But they did. And I'm just so impressed with this team. And there's been so many great stories. Um, Kev, you mentioned Duncan Robinson There was all the hate Kyle Lowry was getting about, you know, the contract and seeing how many games he missed, but he stepped up here and there. Um, Bam was also getting some hate in this series specifically. And, you know, I understand the frustration because it's like there were times here and there where we really needed him to show up and it didn't seem like he was there, Um, but... Overall, man, he's gonna. I think by the end of this series, by the time you were nearing the end, he was able to step up in certain ways. And one thing that's not talked about is the fact that he was able to clamp up guys like Jalen Brown and all of them. So shout outs to him. And we all know what Jimmy Butler is about. And even though he didn't have an easy series either, I mean, we know one thing is for sure, and it's that we're not gonna have to see anyone come in and guard Jimmy the way how these Celtics players guard him because if if there's any team in this league that is always going to be ready to guard Jimmy Butler it is going to be the Celtics so I'm just glad that we were able to get the win and Jimmy was able to bowl out like how he usually does while also doing it against a team like Boston that's always going to give it their best when guarding a guy like Jimmy but overall man it's just a great win for the Heat and now we're here in the finals. Um, but before we get into the finals chatter, is there anything else y'all want to say before we move on from the Celtics?
0: Shout out Hayward Highsmith.
2: Yo, that's actually a good um person you just mentioned, um, Orchard, because the dude was amazing. Like he didn't play a lot of minutes, but he stepped up here and there. And one stat that I found interesting heading into um the heading into this series specifically was the fact that people mentioned how Haywood Highsmith I think he was like when when Jason Tatum specifically is guarded by him he shoots 3 of 16 from the field and there were moments where he was continuing to put the clamps on guys like Jason Tatum in this series so you know we're already shorthanded how it is um but to see him come in and do his thing and you know help this team and just provide us an extra set of legs when, you know, we've seen the injuries take place, you know, whether if it's been guys like a Victor Oladipo who could have been really used in a series like this when it comes to the defense and stuff like that. It's stuff like that that's really important and it just goes to show how, you know, yeah, we've we've given this team hell the fact that, you know, they're constantly signing undrafted guys, but even then... It's come to bless us in this playoff run, whether if it's Caleb Martin playing like Prime MJ or friggin um, Gabe Vincent doing his thing. Duncan Robinson coming back from the dead or Haywood Highsmith playing important minutes for us as well. Like it's all really coming to bless us after a whole regular season of hell. So I'm just glad it's paying off. And yeah, is there anything else that y'all want to throw in before we get ready to move on?
3: Shout out to all the assistant coaches, too, man.
2: That's true. That's true. Especially Chris Quinn and everyone. I couldn't agree anymore. K, is there anything you want to throw in? No, I'm good, bro. So, with that being said, let's now look into this finals matchup. So, we finished Boston. And now we're up against the Denver Nuggets. So this is going to be an interesting matchup for the Heat because you're playing against arguably one of the best players in the world in Nikola Jokic. And the dude has been a killer against the Heat. And, you know, a lot of things are unique about the Denver matchup. I mean, one thing that I know a lot of people have been mentioning is the fact that Denver has been a place where Miami has struggled at the most. You know, like... It's crazy to think about, but the last time Miami won a game in Denver was back when we were still in the Obama administration, and that's something so crazy to think about. But here we are. So, with all of that being said, and you look at some of the pieces that Denver has aside from Jokic, whether if it's a guy like a Jamal Murray or a um Aaron Gordon or a um what's his name? Uh, I shouldn't be forgetting this because he's from UM. Um, Bruce Brown, like. They got so many good pieces on that team. And it's definitely going to be an interesting series for the Heat. But personally, I do have faith in this squad. A lot of people are worried about what Jokic is going to do. But you know what? He's going to get his no matter what. I think people... I got to say this because a lot of people were trying to give Bam hell on the timeline. Talking about he's going to be barbecued chicken or whatever. Listen... Nikola Jokic has always been that guy. So it's not even about Bam being barbecue chicken. It's just simply Nikola Jokic being Nikola Jokic. So I don't expect Bam to be barbecue chicken, but, you know, he's definitely going to have troubles here and there trying to stop a guy like Jokic because, you know, this is a two-time MVP, probably would have won it a third time had it not been for all the craziness that was going on this year with the um conversations with the award and stuff but overall like I expect all of that to happen and then I expect Jimmy to play like the Jimmy that we've seen throughout the playoffs you know like I mentioned earlier he's not playing Boston he's not playing a team that's gonna give him hell like the Celtics did so I'm not gonna be surprised if we see the Jimmy that we were seeing earlier in this playoff run But all of that aside, I want to know what y'all's expectations are. And we're going to start off with you, Kev.
3: We went in this series in seven games. I'm going to start by saying that. Um, As you mentioned, they do give us fits. But I think we have the things that are capable of counteracting them. So when it comes to this Joker thing, um, yeah, it's no doubt about it. He's – probably the best player in the nba right now he's been dominant you got to give him his credit he's one of the best playmakers i think we'll ever see and that's a a high high compliment but to me it's a couple things right we're going to need our hot shooting to continue we're going to need max to hit his shots we're going to need gabe to hit his shots we're going to need caleb and duncan to all hit their shots right that's obvious the bigger more important thing is two things One, because both of our stars are not necessarily big-time three-point threats. Jimmy is. People just don't give him his credit because he stopped really caring about shooting threes in the regular season a few years ago, but Denver doesn't do a good job of protecting the paint. They just don't. That's the one flaw in the Joker's game because, obviously, he's a God-given talent. God couldn't bless him with everything, right? He does everything else, so you can't be mad at him that he's not the greatest rim protector of all time, but... Jimmy gets to that paint, and the defenders that Denver's going to throw at him are defenders that he's annually killed since the beginning of his career. You can go back when Aaron Gordon was in Orlando. You can go back just in the 2020 finals when he killed KCP from majority of that series. Like He should be seeing food, and I guarantee you they're pro- more than likely probably going to try and hunt that MPJ matchup because MPJ is probably the weakest defender of their starting five, if I'm not mistaken, so they're definitely going to look at that. And for Bam, it's the same thing. I just need you to be aggressive, bro. Like, that's all it comes down to. Just don't be decisive. Know when you're going to attack. Know when you're going to get in a dribble handoffs. Know when it's going to be a screen and roll. Don't be hesitant because you have to make the joker work. As much as your defense on him is going to be a big-time thing, you got to put not necessarily the same amount of pressure, but you got to put a good amount of a pressure on him on the offensive end. And so I need Bam to just be aggressive. And as I always say on this show, just be – decisive with your moves when bam decisive he's he's at his best but when he's thinking too much he gets caught up in that and he gets to doing things that are kind of just like uncharacteristic and he's making silly mistakes for no reason so those are my two biggest things and you know for bam again when it comes to guarding the joker you just have to be disciplined bro and you're not going to stop him like he's a a great player he's going to figure out ways to score he's going to figure out ways to pick our defense apart in certain you know passing situations you just have to make life tough on them. You have to make things ugly. Just like we've been doing, you have to junk the game up. I don't think we're we're going to go to that much switching because they will make us pay for that. So guys are going to have to fight around screens. And we got to help Bam out. It's not a one-man job to stop a great player like that. Jimmy's going to have to you know, try and dig in passing lanes sometimes. And same thing with Caleb and a couple other guys. So I'm not too worried about that because the Joker can get his, and I think we can live with him getting his. The bigger thing is everybody else. And if we want to win this, which obviously I know that we do, but just speaking, we got to slow down Jamal Murray. That's the biggest, in my opinion, that's the biggest key of this entire thing. And I think we do have the matchups to guard Jamal Murray. I think Spoh's probably going to experiment here and there with Jimmy Gardenham. I think Jimmy's probably going to want that task. Just knowing knowing the type of player that he is, he's probably going to want to take that assignment. So if we can slow down Jamal Murray, that's going to be the biggest thing because I'm not too worried about Aaron Gordon and KCP. Like, yeah, those guys can get hot. Same thing with MPJ. They can get hot in a hurry. It's no doubt about it. But if you're letting Jamal kill you, you damn near have no shot because it's, it hasn't been that often that Jamal and the Joker have both had great performances at the same time in these playoffs, but we can slow down Jamal Murray. I have no doubt about that in my mind. And again, just like the Joker, He's a hell of a player, so I don't want to sit here and discredit him and act like he's just an average player. No, he's a proven star in this league, and he's only going to continue to add to his resume in these playoffs for the foreseeable future in, the, in this league. But I think we have the bodies to match up. I don't know how much Spo is going to resort to the zone. I don't think it's going to be a lot because, again, the is just too talented to do that. You know, Mike Malone will probably just put him in the middle of it and he'll probably just do work from there. But I think we'll see it sometime just because, you know, Spo. We all know he's the king of adjustments. He's going to probably make some tweaks here and there if we do play zone. And so I like this matchup a lot, man, just because, again, we have the shooting to cancel out their defense, and we have two of our guys and our star players that can get to the rim and make the Joker pay. And that's all you have to do, man. You just have to make these guys work. They're a hell of a team. They're just like us. They're mentally tough. They don't really get too high or too low. They don't worry about, you know, being down or being up. They just play and we're the same way so i think it's going to come down to their offense and how great how elite can our defense get to so i'll just say that and then the last thing too before i pass it off to k is that rebounding is going to be another concern in this matchup just like it's been in every single matchup you know the bucks were a great rebounding team the knicks were kind of the same way you know even though bam held it down that series, this last one the, the Celtics are a pretty good rebounding team we've seen they got a whole bunch of offensive rebounds so If I'm Michael Malone, I'm definitely telling my team, if you're MPJ, if you're Aaron Gordon, to crash the glass. Same thing with Jeff Green. You got to crash that glass. Bruce Brown as well. So they're probably going to have that advantage there. But as long as we can get the timely stops, Heaton 7, man, let's get the job done. Amen. And, you know, um, before I pass the mic to Kay, you know,
2: one thing I just want to acknowledge, you know, with Coach Malone is the fact that you can make an argument that this is arguably the best coach that we've played in this playoff run so far because – you know, we played against Coach Bud. You know, I mean, he. We know what happened from there. We then played Thibodeau, and come on, Spo has always ran circles around him. And then we played against Coach Missoula, who's still very young, and you know is still pretty immature when it comes to being a coach in this league. So we're now playing against a coach that you know knows his stuff, and you know has been able to take um denver to this level and has been in this league for quite some time now so that's just something important to just quickly acknowledge and you know let, and you said it yourself Kay. like it's gonna be fun seeing how spo works with this and how Spo's is gonna be able to you know be able to out-coach Coach Coach Malone, because at the end of the day, we all know that Spo is a better coach than him. He's better than, what, 98, maybe 99% of the league? Like, the only coach you could really say is better than him is maybe Coach Pop, but aside from that, there's no one else to it. So with that being said, you know, it's definitely interesting to think about the fact that we're actually going against a team that has, you know, overall a competent coach. But with that being said, like, Kay, hey, the mic is yours. Say what you got to say.
1: I mean, see, and that's what I was getting towards earlier, man, Um, when I said, as we let the rest of the show develop, because I think, again, Orchard hit on it before he had to step out. You talked about it, and Kev just talked about it in depth. When it comes to the Miami Heat and these Denver Nuggets, like, I love this matchup. I really love this matchup for the Miami Heat. And listen, man, at this point in the season, in the competition, and with the teams that are left, you have to acknowledge that either team can win. However, for me, looking at it outside, looking in, this might be the easiest matchup for Spo to have the game plan for. Because I think Kev was leaning to it, even though he said it in a different manner. Only two guys can kill you in the sense of losing the series. And I use the Lakers series against the Denver Nuggets in an example. When Joker wasn't killing them, either going off late in the game or dominating them all game, Jamal Murray was scoring 30 in the first half or 23 in the final quarter. It was one of those two guys always. So you feel like if they could have found a way to neutralize both of those guys somewhat to a point, then they could have won a game and it can be done. But What you also mentioned is the point that I make when you're talking about a player as great as Joker, he's going to get his, but you don't hope to stop him. You hope to contain him or neutralize him. And that's just keeping him from being the reason that you lose the game, which Coach Spolstra, Bam Adebayo, and the rest of the guys can absolutely do. Now, when you think about Jamal Murray, the Miami Heat also have something there because they can throw bodies at Jamal Murray. They can throw Gabe Vincent at him. They can throw Caleb Martin at him. They can throw Jimmy Butler at him. They can throw Hayward Highsmith at him. Hell, they can throw Kyle Laurie at him to make him mad, just to frustrate him. I mean, like, they can throw bodies at him, so he's going to get consistent dosage of different looks and bodies, even when you're talking about, you know, the times with Caleb. I mean, with Max Struess or Duncan Robinson get switched on him, it's like, yeah, that's an easier matchup. They're going to hunt that. But at the same time, you're going to get a competitive sequence there too so it's like you're you're gonna see bodies all capable of giving you a competition on any given sequence and when the better guys are on them they're gonna make them work so hard that it should wear him down and make him that much you know i guess that much least effective i don't know if i'm saying that right but that less effective so to speak um now the thing about it is kev touched on something that's really important to me here Even with what the Joker's going to do, the way you beat a guy like that is make him play defense. Well, here's the thing. What the Miami Heat, specifically Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, want to do is their weakness. Thinking about a team like the Boston Celtics, what they have is a bunch of length, athleticism, and a guy like Rob Williams, who is a big, long, and athletic guy. So that absolutely bothers Jimmy. And you think back to his thing of trying to pump fake, that's just him trying to adjust. And then them adjusting and him having to readjust to the adjustment. And eventually saw the, you know, we eventually saw the results of that in game seven as he pulled up, stopped pump faking as much, you know, protecting the rock, which is something that Bam Adebayo also had to start doing as they were collapsing and raking in as he brought the ball low and went to put it on the ground. But those are issues you don't have to worry about with Denver. Yeah, I do. As you said, Joel, I expect to see Milwaukee bucks Jimmy Butler From here on out, because when you're thinking about him attacking the paint, getting to his spots, getting in rhythm, drawing fouls, getting by guys, putting guys in the mix, putting guys in the mid post, left ring, white ring, at the elbow, at the nail, wherever he wants to get busy at. He's going to have the opportunity to do it here because from a defensive perspective as well, whether you're talking Brooke Lopez, whether you're talking Mitchell Robinson, whether you're talking Rob Williams, this is absolutely the softest matchup at the rim for the Miami Heat, and the easiest one for Coach Spoke. I expect the Miami Heat to win this series in six. That's not me being cocky. That's me taking everything that I've seen and judging it based on the history of these two matchups, based on the vitriol that should still exist from the recent history between them, and based on the fact that you're talking about Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who want to do most of their damage at the rim. Now, I said this coming into the playoffs so you can go back to whichever pod It was on to reference it. I told you guys, if the Miami Heat could shoot 37% or about 37% from three, that they could do anything in these playoffs. I said that, literally. Um, Go look at the numbers. They're close. If they can continue to do what they've done all playoffs long, the Miami Heat should win this series in six. And we're looking at a Miami Heat title. Jimmy Buckets, you already know. Yes, sir. And, Kev, is there anything
2: that you want to add? No, I'm
3: good. I'm good. We hit on it.
2: But so you know great points made by both of you guys and one thing I just want to quickly acknowledge because you know like I mentioned a lot of people are concerned about the fact that oh you know the Heat haven't won in Denver since 2016 it's because of the altitude and all that and one thing I'm saying I'm gonna say and leave it at there is the fact that we are finally playing Denver in a playoff series. You know, we're not playing them off of a back-to-back. We're not playing them in a situation where, um, you know, we're only going to be there for, like, a day or two. Um, We are in a situation where, you know, we're going to get some time to adjust to their altitude and then go out there and do our thing like Miami already reached Denver early this morning. And we know that because in case y'all didn't see the report before game seven against the Celtics, it was being reported that the Heat already had booked a flight to Denver before the game had even started. So take that as you will. But all that being said, like, they're already in Denver. They're going to take this time to adjust to the altitude. And like I said before, it's not like they're only going to be in Denver for one day or they're coming off of a back to back. They're going to get some rest in and they're going to take the time to adjust to, you know, being in a city like Mile High. And they're going to use it and they're going to look Pretty much fine to me, at least. So to all those who are concerned about what the altitude could do for the Heat, let's take a deep breath and let's just let this playoff, um, well, no, not this playoff, but this finals matchup unfold before our very eyes. Is there anything else that y'all want to add before we get into this game one preview? No, we good. Bet. So with that being said, let's look into game one for the Heat. Now, y'all already know the case for Miami when it comes to game ones. You know, we have not had home court advantage for this whole playoff run, but yet, Miami has always found a way to steal game one against every team possible. We stole game one against Milwaukee, stole game one against New York, stole games one and two against Boston. And now we're looking into a potential situation where we could steal a game against Denver as well. And honestly, if you're Miami, you're looking at this and you're at least trying to get one of those two games against Denver in this scenario too. Uh, With that being said, I just want to know, like, what's y'all's expectations for the Heat as to get ready for this first battle against Denver? We'll start off with you, okay?
1: I expect the Miami Heat to do just what they've done for the rest of the playoffs. Go into Denver, get a game based on everything I said in the previous topic. I expect to see Jimmy Butler firing like a nuclear missile. I expect to see Van Matabayo attacking the rim with reckless abandon because there is absolutely nobody out there that should be able to stop them from doing so without having to foul them. They can't get up high enough, aggressively enough. That's if they're quick enough to make it to the spot. There should be absolutely nothing that anybody can do to keep them from attacking the glass, attacking the rim and attacking the hoop successfully. So I expect to see that, and if they can do that, that's going to soften the middle up in order to get some kickouts for May's shots, and they're going to do what they've done for the rest of the playoffs, which is take game one. Now, after I see game one, I'll be prepared to tell you what's going to happen in game two, but I'm almost willing to tell you what I think is going to happen in both games right now because I feel that good about the matchup. But it definitely starts with them taking game one on Thursday night. Right, and how about you, Kev?
3: Man, I I could damn near reiterate everything that Kay just said, man. I think – I'm not going – I mean, obviously, any game you go into at this point in time, like, it's a must win. I hate when people even use those two words, but getting game one would probably be the most ideal just because Denver's going to be coming off a ton of rest. And with that, you're going to have to knock off some rust, right? So I don't expect them to come in. And they might – I could definitely eat my words within the next 48 to however many hours, but, I I mean – They've been chilling at the crib for a minute, so they probably are excited and all that, but it's nothing like getting those reps, and especially because we're just coming off of a Game 7 situation where, yeah, you know, for most teams, you could say, oh, our emotions might be too high, but I don't think that's the case with this team, so I expect us to go in, get the job done, play our game, play connected, play good team defense, and do exactly what we're supposed to do, man. That's all, that's all it com- comes down to, exactly what Kay says, stupidly locked in. That's what it is. That's what it's, That should be the motto of this entire run, to be honest if we keep it in a beam, but yeah, man, go in there, still a game. No team in the West has been able to do that this year in in this playoff run for Denver. If any team can, I think it's us. Why not us at this point? You know what I'm saying? So go do what we're supposed to do. Play connected. Don't force bad shots. Play through the offense. Don't take too long to get into the offense. Realize the the mismatches when they arise and appear and just attack, man, just go at them. Like K just said, a couple of times ago this is the worst rim protection we will see all playoffs so let, let's make it count and let's not settle too much and again i know the three ball is very prevalent in our offense just like it is in the entire nba right now but make them pay man just make them pay attack 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 i don't think i can say it anymore so i expect us to go in there and get the job done and and do what a lot of people have not been able to do this season and again especially obviously in these playoffs Right. And I just want to say, let's not use the term stupidly locked in.
2: Locked in for sure. But I don't know. Whenever I hear those three words specifically, it gives me
1: PTSD. What happened in 2020? Hey, man, you beat the man. You beat those allegations now. We here. You can say it again. (laughs) You beat those allegations. If that's the case. All right.
2: If we beat the allegations and we're completely sure about it, then okay, we're stupidly locked in. Let's Let's get right to it. Um, But also another point um, you mentioned, Kev, is the fact that, you know, Denver has gotten a lot of rest. And what I love for the Heat is the fact that while they might have not gotten as much rest as they potentially could have gotten if they were to finish this in four or five games, you know, at least they're still going to have At least they... How do I say At least they got to be somewhat active before heading into this Game 1. Because, let's see, Game 7 was on May 29th, and you're playing, what, three days later? Because I think Game 1 is on June 1st, I believe, so... You know that's, in my opinion, I think that's a good enough time to get some rest while also not feeling too rusty. Because if you're Denver, you haven't played in over a week, and that rust might get to them. Because a huge example of that was when we played Game One against the Bucks. You know, I mean, yeah, the Bucks were sorry in a way where we were able to beat them in five games. I don't care if Giannis was injured. Screw y'all. If y'all think that that was the reason why we won the way how we did, but um, if you look into that Game One. And like the Bucks were kind of rusty in a way where, you know, they didn't really play much because they were the one seed and they were chilling all this time waiting to see which team they would play in the first round. Miami, on the other hand, they got to, you know, not really, you know, just sit around and just do nothing because they played that first um, playing game against Atlanta. Then they went into that second playing game against Chicago and then boom, all of a sudden, you know, a few days later, they're playing against the Bucks in the playoffs. And I think just being able to light that fire underneath themselves was able to get them good and ready for that Bucks series. And I think the same thing goes here because you got to play a do or die game seven against the Nuggets, I almost said the Nuggets, against the Celtics, and that's going to get you good and going for a finals matchup against um this team like Denver. And it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to give them the motivation needed to go in there, try to get the job done, hopefully take game one, and then just go from there with it. Aside from that, that's basically it for me. Is there anything else that you guys want to add?
3: We're going to keep rocking. We're going to do the unthinkable, not the unthinkable for Heat fans, shall I say, the unthinkable to all the people out there that just think that We was cooked, that the Celtics was going to win the series. We're going to win this series. And I'm saying that with full confidence. I don't care if it comes to bite me back. I don't care. We're going to win this series. Um, Shout out to this team again, because even though this game is going to start very, very soon, again, we should not take this run for granted. Shout out to UD. His career has been extended for as long as possible, and I appreciate the team for doing that as well. That was kind of underlying underlying storyline going into that game seven, and and let's go. Let's go get a chip. Let's go get him a chip. And like you, like you did say earlier to start the show, Joe. This is our seventh finals appearance. The lucky number seven. Let's handle business.
2: Right. And K, how about you? Anything you want to throw in?
1: Nah, man. Like I said, um, and like you guys have said, look, if the Miami Heat play the way that they're supposed to play, and work on both sides of the ball, Denver shouldn't be able to beat them. Heat in six. Let's get
2: it. And you know what? Like, we, we took looking at the chances. Like, they said that we only had 3% chance against the Celtics. And that's fine, man. 3% um chance, 97% faith, I believe it was they were saying. Now they're giving um, Denver an 89% chance and the Heat 11% chance. We'll take that no matter what. So my bad, y'all. I'm losing my breath real quick. Um, With that all being said, though, if for the Heat fans out there, Man, we've been through so much, but we're really nearing the end game, man. This has been a fun playoff run. It's been great seeing this team doing what they're they've been doing. And overall, man, I'm just excited to see what comes ahead of us in this finals run against Denver. It's obviously not going to be easy, but if there's any team I believe in, it's this Heat squad. It's crazy because we never thought we'd be here, you know, just a few maybe like what a little over a month ago. But we're here right now, so let's embrace that. And, you know, it's crazy because I still hear people try to chirp about, oh, what moves could they make in the offseason, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's not do that, y'all. Like, obviously, I want to sit here and tell y'all what y'all can and cannot do. But, you know, while you can sit there and talk about Oh, getting this guy or that guy. Just know that the team that you're trying to make trades for are literally in the finals right now. Like there are 28 other teams in Cancun and the Heat are still here competing for a championship. So instead of trying to talk about what trade package you would do to get whatever star is going to be available, just focus on the fact that we are here right now. And we are four wins away from winning that championship and nothing else. So, with that being said, um, I feel like y'all have said everything I wanted to say. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All yes. right. So, with that being said, man... Thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at K. Jacob underscore. Make sure to follow Kev on Twitter at Kevo mufasa 7 That's two O's in Kevo. Make sure to follow K on Twitter at K underscore said underscore K. Make sure to follow um Orchard on Twitter at VP vs. the World. And make sure to follow Heat vs. the World on all platforms at HVTW Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at Heat vs. the World. That way you get access to all of our content, whether if it's a new podcast, whether if it's a new episode of the Biscayne Breakdown featuring Kay and Deem, or many of our other content that we got going on over there, and make sure y'all check out the um, website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. We got all great articles heading your way, whether if it's from our guy Kay or some of our other contributors out there, so you don't want to miss that. And overall, man, it's been a fun playoff run. And if the Heat can keep this going, we have at least, what, four pods left to record because we're always going to record after every Heat win. So Miami Heat, let's get this job done and let's celebrate the final episode of the season with a championship. But with that all being said, thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Shout out to the Miami Heat. Shout out to the Florida Panthers. Let's win these championships and let's get it done, man. With that being said, hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you
0: next time with a brand new episode of the heat versus the world podcast.